Hello, my friends, and welcome to the Bible in Order, where we are chronologically going through the entire Bible in one year. Today's reading for October 25th is Luke chapters 10 and 11 and John chapter 10, verse 22 through the end of that chapter. Jesus sends out the 72 in Luke 10, beginning in verse 1. Some manuscripts say it was 70, not 72. This is one of the examples, and there are several throughout the Bible where there are minor textual differences between accounts. Overall, the manuscripts that make up the 66 books of the Bible are 99.7% identical, and of that small variance, there are some minor differences, such as this, 70 versus 72. doesn't change the point of the story at all. My opinion is that these minor differences give us more confidence in the authority, authenticity, and inerrancy of Scripture because there's nothing really contradictory when it comes to the historical accounts, and there's nothing that contradicts the nature of God or the overall teaching of Scripture. If you were to go to court and had multiple witnesses say, a group of 70 people performed a task, and some of the witnesses said 72 people instead of 70, the entire jury would agree that the task was performed and it was a rather large group of people, but it may have been 70 and it may have been 72. When all is said and done, the Bible is by far the most well-documented book in all of antiquity. Literally, there are thousands of times more manuscripts of the Bible than there are of Homer's Iliad or the Odyssey or any other book that was written thousands of years ago. When Jesus commissions these 70 or 72 disciples and sends them out, he says to them, the harvest is abundant. The harvest refers to the reaping of souls for the kingdom of heaven. It's abundant. Pray to the Lord of the harvest, which is our Father in heaven, that he would commission or send out more workers. We are all called to advance the kingdom of heaven, the natural byproduct of planting the seed of the word is that there would be a harvest. Many of us would agree it just doesn't feel right to go out and tell people to ask Jesus into their hearts so that they can go to heaven someday. Instead, perhaps we should try evangelizing the way that Jesus and his disciples did by casting out demons, by telling people the kingdom of heaven is here and now. It's accessible. They don't have to be depressed. They don't have to be scared. They don't have to be sick, but the power of God is present to change their circumstances as a sign that God really is on the move. In verse 13, Jesus calls out unrepentant cities, and he compares them to other cities in the past that had suffered God's judgment, and he says, you guys are worse and less believing than those cities like Tyre and Sidon and Sodom. We as people are always comparing ourselves to others, but typically we're saying, I'm not as bad as that person. 
when it comes to holiness, we need to be careful that we're not doing that. The standard is perfection, and for that, we have all fallen short. When we think of how bad we are, we always want to compare ourselves to people much worse than us. But when we think about how much we've received or how fortunate we are, we always want to compare ourselves to people who seem to have much more than we have. We lie to ourselves on both ends of the spectrum. So in regard to holiness, let's compare ourselves to the perfect Jesus Christ and yearn for more holiness. But when it comes to what we've received, let's have an attitude of gratitude and compare ourselves to what it could be like if God were not so kind to us. When the 72 return rejoicing, telling Jesus even the demons or spirits submit to us, we're able to set people free, we're able to heal the sick. It was awesome, Jesus. You should have seen it. Jesus' response is very interesting. I saw Satan fall like lightning from the heavens or from the sky. Many Bible teachers take that verse out of context and apply it to Isaiah 14, which is not even talking about Satan, and use it to justify that Satan was cast out of heaven, that he used to be an angel. The problem is when you read Isaiah 14, it never mentions Satan once. It mentions the morning star, which is translated Lucifer in many of our Bibles. But nowhere in Scripture does it say that Satan is Lucifer or that Lucifer is Satan. We've created this entire doctrine about Satan being a fallen angel, and it doesn't actually say that anywhere in the Bible. It's much more likely that Jesus was responding directly to the 70 or 72 as they returned to him, saying, we have power over darkness. And Jesus is saying, I saw Satan fall like lightning, agreeing with them, verifying that what they saw, what they experienced, was actually what Jesus saw happening in the spirit realm as well. Jesus goes on to teach that he is revealing the Father. That was his job. He is the express image of God, the very word of God that flows from the heart and mind of God. And he says, anyone who is not with me is against me, and anyone who does not gather with me scatters. In other words, the mission remains the same. We are to be busy about advancing the kingdom of heaven, teaching the word, making disciples, and anything that we're doing that God calls us to do must follow under that umbrella of advancing the kingdom, of making disciples. The very next teaching of Jesus is about a house that has been swept clean. The strong man has been thrown out of it. And after wandering around, that strong man or demon can't find anywhere else to go, so decides to go back to the house or the human body that it had been cast out of, finds the house swept clean and put in order, and so it returns and brings seven of its friends. And the end case of that man is worse than the first. This is clearly saying when somebody is delivered from demonic possession or just being demonized in general, if they are set free, something needs to happen so that demon cannot come back and torment them again. We give Satan a foothold in our lives through bitterness, through unforgiveness, undue anger, and through any 
idol that we hold on to, whether it's an illicit substance like nicotine, any kind of drug, alcohol, whatever we allow to have control over us, when we're set free from that, we must grow in our character, become more like God and stop desiring that thing so that we can be truly set free from it. Being set free is not enough. We need to be delivered and then develop the character so that we don't need to be delivered again and again from the same spiritual condition. It's fundamental that people understand that we're not to just move along in this life staying as we are or as we were. We must grow. We must become more like God. If you are somebody who struggles with worry and fear and you are delivered from that for a season, you must build up your faith or else that spirit of fear will come back on you and your end condition will be worse than the first. So pray for deliverance, but then beg God for development of your character so that you don't have to be delivered again and again. Jesus goes and has dinner with a Pharisee, and the man is shocked that Jesus didn't perform ceremonial cleansing before sitting down or reclining at the table to eat. Jesus said, stop looking at outward appearances. Stop judging based on your silly man-made rules and think, why do we wash our hands? It represents a spiritual cleansing before we partake. When we feast on the Word of God, we are to get ourselves right first. We don't want to just open our Bible and stare at the page for 30 minutes every day. That will do us no good. Let us wash ourselves with the Word of God as we ask the Spirit of God to illumine the Word for us, to make it become part of us so that we have the authority of the Word of God and we're not just reciting it with emptiness that has no power. Jesus puts these religious leaders on notice that they have not only failed to attain the kingdom of heaven themselves, but they are hindering other people from getting there. And they must repent. They must humble themselves, realize that they've been believing wrong, that they've been acting wrong, and they've been judging wrong because they've been listening to themselves and their favorite teachers rather than the voice of God. As we transition to John chapter 10, beginning in verse 22, Jesus says, My sheep hear my voice, they follow me. They recognize that I am the good shepherd. There's a temptation in the body of Christ, especially in today's world where we have podcasts and MP3s and YouTube and technology at our fingertips 24 hours a day that we always want to listen to another sermon, another Bible teacher, but we don't want to hear from God directly because it takes too much effort. God is calling us in this season to turn off the podcast, to turn off the YouTube video, to turn off the sermon, and to listen to Him. Jesus said, my sheep know my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. He knows you. 
He knows your heart. He knows your deepest desires. He knows the things that you've done that you wished you hadn't. He knows your sadness and he knows what makes you happy. He knows what you need to be the most happy, to have the abundant life that he promised for you. And it's available for you if you're willing to take it. But it won't be the way you think. It'll be the way he has planned. Anyone who wants to save their life, to keep their life the way it is, will lose it, Jesus said. But anyone who's willing to give up their life for his sake will find it. It all comes down to trusting him. May God bless you, my friends. May you seek him and find him. As you knock, the door will be opened for you. He's waiting, and he's oh so excited to fellowship with you. Thank you for being on this journey. We'll see you tomorrow. And for those of you who are interested in partnering with me as I endeavor on this project, in lieu of donations, I feel a worker is due his wages. And so I would love the opportunity to earn rather than just receive a gift. And as much as I love doing this podcast, it doesn't pay the bills. And the way I pay the bills is by selling houses here in Southwest Florida. But I've also got a team of real estate agents in 16 states currently. And we are always looking for new real estate agents to join the team, to join the brokerage, call it Closed International Realty. Whether you're in the United States or not, whether you're in a state that we're already open in or not, we would love to partner with you. And if you have property to sell or if you're interested in buying property, no matter where you are in the world, we would love the opportunity to help you. If we're not serving that area expressly, we would love to be able to find the perfect agent to help you wherever you are. Thank you for your consideration, my friends. God bless you. We'll see you tomorrow.